And oftentimes, if there's a lack of trust between law enforcement and the communities, you can also see that in the commerce as well. And so we think it's so important for us to ensure that there's trust between law enforcement and the communities that they serve. And the best way to ensure that there's trust is to ensure that there's accountability on both sides. And so we build things like, you know, body-worn cameras to ensure that if there is an interaction, if there is a use of force, that the truth is, is documented, that is clear, that it can be told. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Breakline Arena. We are so grateful that you are here. The Breakline Arena is a space that welcomes changemakers, hustlers, and leaders in the tech industry to share their journeys and passions and insights. We are hosted by Breakline Education, which serves to help top performers from underselected backgrounds land new and exciting roles in the tech industry. If you're a person of color or a veteran or a woman, there's info in the show notes about how to join our community. Now let's dive into the arena for today's special guest. Welcome to the Breakline Arena, everyone. My name is Sam Combs. I am the head of partnership here at Breakline, and I'm absolutely thrilled about today's conversation. Today, we're joined by the president of Axon Federal, Richard Coleman. Richard, cannot thank you enough for, for taking time to be here on the arena and spending a little bit of time with us for the conversation today. Yeah, thank you. I was really looking forward to the conversation and uh, looking forward to the questions. Awesome. Well, let's let's dive right in then. We love to to kick things off really focused on you and and your career. You know, you've made a handful of transitions throughout your professional journey. You've gone engineering to business development. You've gone from a defense prime to now building the team and the public sector team at Axon Federal. But maybe even zooming out before we get into those specifics. I would love to understand and, and talk through, you know, what attracted you initially to the public sector industry, the national security space, when you first stepped in as a young professional? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think all the way from when I was a child, I was always asking questions, always trying to figure out the why to to everything, how things worked, you know, how things were put together. And I, you know, I think engineering is just natural problem solving. It's trying to figure out problem. How do you decompose it? And then, and then how do you really get to the, to the right answer? And so you know, my undergrad was in electrical engineering. I went on to get a master's. I was, you know, I was going through undergrad. I always heard that uh, living in Arizona, Intel was, was the place for engineers. Like the place for the top engineers was to go to, to Intel and, and work in the, one of their fab plants and, and build chips. And so that's what I did. Initially, early on in my career, I didn't really work in the defense space or the aerospace industry. I, I worked in the microchip industry. Um, and after a few years working there, I ran into a recruiter that basically gave me a good pitch. She's like, hey, you know, today you're you're making systems that go onto chips, that go into things like printers and computers. She was like, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if you could make systems that went into space? and potentially move into uh, satellite architecture and build some of the largest geosynchronous satellites on the planet. And it was intriguing to me. So I, after five years of working at Intel, I transitioned to General Dynamics. I was a satellite architect, and it's one of the most rewarding career leaps I've, I've made uh, in my career thus far. I love that. You know, at Breakline, we have folks going through a variety of different career transitions, whether it's from one element of the private sector into a new industry, whether it's from government to the tech industry. And I'm, I'm really curious to, to zoom in on your specific career transition from 
from engineering ultimately to the business side. You mentioned just a few minutes ago, you've always seen engineering at its core as solving problems. Have you seen, as you think about your own career transition from engineering to business, have you seen benefits from that transition? Like, have you drawn on experiences as an engineer to help you execute in your current role on the business side and the business development side at Axon? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, I spent 18 years at, at General Dynamics. I started out as a satellite architect, built some of the largest geosynchronous satellites for the, the U.S. government. And, and, you know, in doing so, you solve problems. You you learn how to communicate really complicated systems, complicated problems in a simple way. And, you know, in the end, that's really what business is as well. And so after about 10 years of, of satellite architecture, I was fortunate enough to go and get an MBA. And one of the big things I learned in getting my MBA was the gray. You know, engineering teaches you so much about binary ones and zeros, black and white you know, always getting to an answer. And in business, there really is no complete right answer. There's so many shades of gray. And and to get to the the black or the white, it really comes down to assumptions. What are your assumptions that really helps everyone understand your direction and your decisions? And, you know, my engineering and the ability to solve problems, the ability to use stats, analytics, numbers to get to the right assumption and then use those assumptions to validate my decision really helped me in business. And I think what happens in, in, in businesses, you know, oftentimes you're going to make assumptions, uh, you're going to make an argument as to what the right decision should be or the right direction. And then it comes down to your track record. Are you making the right decisions? Are you making the right assumptions? Are you going in the right direction? And is that right direction the correct direction? Is it getting you to the place where you're winning? And I think in, in my career early on, uh, moving from engineering into business development and into program management and then into business management, making the right assumptions and then having a track record of winning is the thing that, that's helped me continue to progress, especially at General Dynamics, eventually moving over to Axon. Yeah, I love that. This ability to to take a, what can seem like a really complex problem and distill it down into some core facts and use those to drive what are the assumptions we're going to make at the business and pressure testing those, but then ultimately being in a position to make that decision and and those assumptions bear out as as showing like real business impact. It's always interesting to see folks take those past experiences professionally or personally and apply them in a new domain and use them as a differentiator or almost as a superpower for their own success in their career. You know, a few weeks ago, Richard, we had a chance to to connect and you were sharing more just about your your career, your progression at General Dynamics how quickly you kind of moved through and progressed and were promoted. And of course, your position now is as the president of federal at Acton. At Breakline, we think about this idea, kind of a, a central pillar of the work that we do, of this idea of excellence is transferable, that top performance and, and individuals who are performing at a high level tend to continue to do that. And I'm curious, as, as you reflect on your own career, have there been any truths or, or lessons learned for things that that you think really determine your position as as a top performer or performing at an exceptionally high level throughout your career? Sure, sure. You know, early on as an engineer, we had the opportunity at General Dynamics to take a, a Dell Carnegie course. And it's about typically it was around three months and you'd go in maybe a couple of times a month. A number of lessons that you learned in in the course as an engineer trying to help you understand how to communicate to executives. But one of the best things I learned in that course was this concept of a breakthrough moment. 
Like we actually paused, we took time to write down what we thought a breakthrough moment would be like in five years. And it wasn't like just writing down, oh, I want to, you know, be president in five years. I want to be X, Y, and Z in five years. It was to write down what it felt like when you woke up that morning, to imagine what it, what you're looking at, what smells you're smelling, right? Like, what does it look like when you walk into the boardroom? What are the faces? What are you saying? What are you doing? To make it so vivid that you can see yourself getting there. And I think setting aside time to understand and think through breakthrough moments is probably one of the most transformational things I've done in my career because it, it helps you, number one, get strategic, helps you understand where do you want to be at in five years? And then you can walk that back. If if I need to be there in five years, where should I be at in a year? Where should I be at in the, in the next quarter, in the next month, in the next week? And you know, I think doing that sort of planning has, has been just absolutely transformational in my career. And, I, and I've continued to do it to this day. I love that. It's this idea of visualization, kind of seeing where you're where you want to be and where you know you can be in the future. We we say internally at Breakline this idea of manifesting, that we're going to visualize it and know it so intimately of what that end goal is, that it's almost inevitable that you get there. It seems like a lot of overlaps with performance to what you hear about like in the psychology of of sports and the psychology of like top performance in athletics and and in other domains of kind of being able to visualize what that end state looks like. Absolutely. Maybe this is a good time to then pivot over to, to Axon. So you made this this decision, right? You're you're incredibly successful at General Dynamics. You're one of the. I think I read you were one of the youngest, if not the youngest, executives at the at the General Dynamics team. But then you ultimately make this decision to pivot to to, to join a new team in a, in a somewhat different space, still in the public sector, but but focused now on law enforcement and and safety. And I'm curious. What initially drew you to Axon? What what was the impetus for for that career transition? Because as an outsider looking in, it can seem a little bit not risky, but it seems like a big move to to take what was kind of known success for years at General Dynamics and then to, to make a bet on yourself and say, now is the time to transition. Was it about Axon that that drew you in? Yeah, so I, I, you're right. I had a very successful career at, at General Dynamics. I spent 18 years there. You know, I went from a satellite architect. I moved into business development and was very successful at business development. You know, the the thing about a defense contractor is if you're good at business development, that means you're winning. And typically they have you kind of eat what you kill. So they'll have you run the program. So I moved into program management. And eventually, you know, as your programs grow, a program turns into a business unit, which turns into a business. And I followed that career path and things were going really well right around you know, 17, 18 years at General Dynamics, I had uh, my first son, I had my second son uh, that was coming along the way. And I think having kids gives you perspective. It helps you understand how fast time moves and that you're, that, that time is fleeting. And one of the things I started thinking about was the mark I was going to make on, on this earth. The fact that every calorie that I spend working during the day, I want to spend it towards something that was going to change the world in a in a better way. and. I had been learning about Axon. I sat on a couple boards with some of the executives at the company, and I learned about their mission, this concept of building technology to do really three main things. Uh, like number one, building technology to protect life. Number two, building technology to build transparency and trust between law enforcement and the communities they serve. 
And then number three, building technology to make sure that you have a fair and just justice system. One where if you're innocent, you're innocent. If you're, you're guilty, you're guilty. And learning more about the company, it was clear that these three tenants were very successful at the state and local level. Almost every state and local law enforcement officer had the technology. And you see, you saw these sorts of things happening at the state and local level. But when I zoomed out to the area I was familiar with, which is the, the federal government, there hardly any of this technology deployed across civilian federal law enforcement and in particular in the military. And so I felt like if I could bring my expertise and understanding how to shake the hand of the federal government, understanding how to build elegant technology that's useful for the federal government, understanding how to actually meet requirements and procurement rules to, to deliver this to, to law enforcement entities that, that could potentially help them. I, I realized if I could bring these three tenets to the federal government, that it could potentially not only change the United States, but could, could change the world. And it's just, it's hard to pass up an opportunity to have that sort of impact broadly. And so, yeah, after 18 years, I made the leap to to start the federal business at Axon, and it's been great. Uh, you know, we've had tremendous success ever since. Richard, as you were talking, there was, there was almost a career transition framework baked into what you were saying. And I heard kind of two themes come out that I'd, I'd love for you to either validate, yes, that, that, that is a, a framework that I think it was kind of driving my own transition and maybe elaborate on it. But I heard initially mission. And then I heard kind of the business case. I heard you first say, you know, I was compelled by getting to a mission-driven organization that was doing work that I believed in. And you found that at Axon. But then the second piece that you saw that was a fast follow to that was there was also a tremendous business opportunity that I saw attached to this mission that I believed in that I felt I was, or that you felt you were uniquely positioned to, to affect. We have folks across break line that are weighing career transitions as they as they pivot into new roles or new industries. And they're constantly thinking about what is the right framework? How should I think about this transition? Is that kind of interplay between mission and business? Is that something that you've thought about and, and helped guide you towards, towards the opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think number one, mission and, and passion, you just can't, there's no substitute for it. You know, especially I've worked with so many people that have served our, our our government at the state level, the the federal level, whether civilian or, or military. And the phenomenal thing about those folks are, you know, they are very mission driven, which is why they give of themselves to serve our country or serve our cities or serve our states. And for people like that, you know, they're typically looking for something else that's very mission driven. And mission driven people are typically the most passionate people. And oftentimes I find the the most productive. And so I think that is a critical thing, is to make sure that you find something that you're passionate about. Find something where every single day you wake up and you go to sleep thinking about it, and, and it turns into less of a work and more into your 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 why, in terms of why you exist, why you do what you do. And yeah, so I think that is, that is extremely important. And then a- absolutely, there needs to be a business case. There needs to be some sort of expertise that you've built, whatever it is, that you can bring to the fight and further the the case for whatever it is that you're doing. So I think, yeah, I, I agree that those two things are, are vitally important. Uh, having mission, having passion for what you're doing, but then also making sure that there's a good business case for, for what you're going in and, and fighting for. I love that. Yeah, finding both is critically important. You need you need to have both to be successful. But maybe tell us more about Axon. I, I know we've had the opportunity to partner and have been blown away by the technology and the work that you're doing across the federal space. Um, 
you know, you, you mentioned these three core tenets that Axon is focused on as you build technology of protecting lives, building transparency and trust, and helping develop a, a fair and equitable justice system. Um, what is some of the work that is on the horizon or happening right now that you're most excited about with the federal team and the work that you're doing at Axon? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So every, you know, everything that we do across Axon is really focused around those three tenets. You know, so all of our hiring, all of our R&D, every calorie that we're spending is really focused around those three things. The first one, when we're talking protect life. So we do things like we're building virtual reality. VR training and augmented reality training is is huge. You know, if we can put law enforcement or military professionals in that one in a million scenario and do it over and over and over and over again so that, you know, if they get it wrong, they can learn from it and they can continue doing it until they get it right. And what we're trying to have is a scenario where when law enforcement, when they're interacting with the community or when they're interacting with anyone, that they've trained so much that in that situation, they're able to get it right. And it doesn't end up in potentially a bullet flying down range and, and taking a life in a situation where, where there could have potentially been other, other options. Now, we invest in things like less lethal solutions. So, so uh, we build the taser. And every year, like I said, every day, every week, every month, every year, we're trying to figure out how can we make the taser more effective? How can we make a, a solution such that you can resolve a conflict and successfully resolve it, number one, by potentially de-escalating it by using training. But if there is a scenario where you have to use a, a, a weapon, uh, you can potentially use a less lethal solution that can de-escalate, resolve a situation, but at the end of it, have that person go home to their family, to their loved ones at the end of the day. And that's really what we're fighting for. So we put a lot of energy into building solutions that allows law enforcement, military professionals to interact with communities. And at the end of that interaction, not even have use of force, but if there is a use of force, use of force that doesn't necessarily take a light. And then number two, uh, transparency and trust. So law enforcement, military, I mean, that's one of the things that helps our communities. It helps our, our commerce. You feeling like that you're protected, that you can do trade, that that trade is protected. It's, it's an important thing. And in, it's important in communities all across the country. And oftentimes, if there's a lack of trust between law enforcement and the communities, you can also see that in the commerce as well. And so we think it's so important for us to ensure that there's trust between law enforcement and the communities that they serve. And the best way to ensure that there's trust is to ensure that there's accountability on both sides. And so we build things like, you know, body-worn cameras to ensure that if there is an interaction, if there is a use of force, that the truth is, is documented, that is clear, that it can be told. And we also try and ensure that, you know, we we have video solutions, not only on the law enforcement officers, but in the car. We do things like closed circuit video uh, intelligence as well. So all the evidence is happening around a situation. We want to make sure that we can have eyes on everything. So we have complete transparency and accountability in every single interaction that happens between law enforcement or military professionals and in the communities that they're serving. And we think in doing so, there's trust that's built. And um, when you have trust, I think every everyone wins. Like law enforcement, they should be superheroes. Like people should see them and they should be cheered uh, as they're kind of walking down the street. And as this trust grows, I, I think, you know, the superhero nature of, of them comes out as well. And then lastly, how do we make a, a better justice system? And I think that comes down to kind of two pieces of it. I mean, one side of it is, you know, we try and build solutions that creates efficiency in law enforcement so that, you know, law enforcement, they're not 
sitting behind a desk writing reports and and doing that half of their day. But instead, you know, they're able to be out in the communities building relationships, which which is really why they joined to to do what they're doing, which is why they joined to be law enforcement. And and the other side of it, if there is evidentiary data, we want to make sure that it's collected, that you know, we put a fingerprint on it so that we know that it's never been changed and that it can efficiently get to any attorneys, anyone that's reviewing the case, even any defendants, it can get to the person that needs it in the most efficient way. So everyone has the data that they need to make the right decision on a verdict, whether it's guilty or innocent. And so um, there's a lot of solutions that we have in and around those three tenants. But the thing I love about Axon is we are very focused every single day, every week, every month, every year, pushing those missions forward and the lens that we look through when we evaluate talent, evaluate uh, technology and R&D, evaluate our customers, are are we moving the mission forward in those three areas? You mentioned, you know, as you were talking about your your transition to Axon, Axon was already prevalent across state and local government. It was a known, a known solution. And there was this tremendous opportunity for the federal side. And under, under your leadership on, on the federal team, you've seen revenue go from 20 million in your first year to north of, of 200 million in, in 2022. You also talked a few minutes about ago about, about breakthrough moments. As you think about the federal business, you think about the future of where and what the federal business could be at Axon. Have you thought about what that breakthrough moment might look like? Like where is your team and where is your vision taking that team in terms of growth and impact across the federal sector? Yeah, so we, you know, several years ago, the size of the business was, you know, was in the tens of millions from a federal perspective, and we are growing exponentially. And and I think from a vision and, and a breakthrough moment for me is is ubiquity. Like, I, you know, if you look across federal law enforcement and military personnel's, the concept of interacting with the community without leveraging these solutions is seems somewhat archaic, right? The concept of interacting with someone and the first thing you do is is pull out a gun that that seems like so so 1990s and in a world where we end a year and there's there's zero officer involved deaths my breakthrough moments are we look across the military world and we see our soldiers interacting with other countries not with like big rifles or guns but in more of a 21st century policing sort of way where where there's so much relationship and so much bonding happening between those 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 um those communities and so yeah I, you know i think again i think my breakthrough moment is probably more less about the the dollars and more about the impact uh, my breakthrough moment is definitely more about ubiquity of our solutions and not only federal civilian but but military personnel as well I love that. And I, I think as I reflect on on this conversation, what's clear to me is is the type of impact, this type of growth, this type of pathway to ubiquity across the federal government. It it happens as you're building an incredible team. And I'm curious, I'm always curious as we're in these conversations, especially with executives and hiring managers who have a tremendous amount of experience, how you think about building a diverse team the importance of building a diverse team, the business impact or power or value of building a diverse team. What have you seen in your time at Axon in terms of the importance and the value of, of building and creating a diverse team across the federal business and the value that's created for, for your organization? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's it's number one, I think in, in building a team, I think it's just really important to ensure that you build a team of people that are passionate about what it is you're trying to accomplish every day. I think that's like the most important thing that you can do. Sometimes it's tricky. You know, sometimes there's companies where you you look and say, well, what is it that you're trying to do? Like, what is it that, what is your real mission? And it's kind of hard to go and find it. At Axon, it's clear. Like, there's three things that we're trying to accomplish every single day we wake up and every single day we go to sleep. And it's because of that clarity, sometimes it's easier for us to, to find mission-driven people that care about those things. And I think that is, in my mind, number one. I think number two, you have to make sure that your team reflects that the cus- the customers that that you're that you're working for that you're working to help solve problems for and that your team has a level of diversity and thought and action so that you can ensure that every single thing every single gap that needs to be closed is thought about and potentially closed and so we work with law enforcement personnel both here domestically and and abroad and the law enforcement people that we interact with are diverse i mean they've spanned every single race and creed that you can imagine. And so it's important that we have a team and we build a team that also represents that same level of diversity to ensure that we're mirroring that level of diversity of thought and so that we can continue to fill the gaps that are necessary to be successful in the market. Yeah, this point of building a team that reflects the diversity of your customers and also allows you to draw on diverse thought and diverse strategies to to help you realize the impact of the mission that you're trying to realize and also realize the growth goals that you're trying to hit, I think is it's so critical. And I'm I'm curious as you've been in this position at Axon, have there been core strategies that have proven successful either for building a diverse team and, and bringing on diverse teammates or even fostering a culture where that diverse team is thriving and people are engaged and, and excited to stay and build their career on the on the federal team at Axon? Yeah, you know, one of the big things that we we, we are big believers in, in diversity across Axon. We have a group called JEDI, which is ba- basically a diversity and, and inclusion organization that, you know, it ensures that, you know, on two sides of it. Number one, that internally we are fostering a culture that that welcomes diversity. And so we do things like affinity groups where we can help people come in into different diverse elements and feel comfortable, you know, express themselves and not only internally, but educate folks across Axon in terms of what it means to be in that particular area. And so I, I think that's one thing that we do to build a culture internally, but even externally, in terms of ensuring that we're recruiting from a diverse set of, of stakeholders, ensure that from a small business perspective, or when we're, we're subcontracting, that we're subcontracting with a diverse group of, of people. I think in general, like this concept of diversity and inclusion is, is broad, and you have to think about it both internally and externally. And ensure that you're you're really focusing on it to ensure that the business is successful in the markets that you're operating in. I love that. Yeah, the intentionality behind it, that it's not just it doesn't just happen without intentionality, that you have to have focus and priorities and attach you know OKRs or KPIs, business outcomes and objectives that you're following. We've seen that as well in our partnership work and the in the, the the organizations that we're teaming up with is there's intentionality behind it, both fostering a cultural culture internally and externally. That helps you build that diverse team. It it really can be a powerful driver for the business. Absolutely, Richard. I'd love to let you close out the conversation. This has been we've covered a lot of ground. We've gone from your personal career. We've gone to Axon. We've talked building diverse teams and high performing teams. 
I'd love to zoom out again and, and close out the conversation with your take on the public sector technology market today. We have a tremendous amount of folks across our community that are looking to build their careers uh, in the defense tech or the, the public sector space. And there's a ton of excitement around the industry as well. And I'm curious about your perspective. You've been in the industry now for for years. Like, what what is your reflection on the state of the market today? Why it's a great place to to build your career? Advice or, or reflections that you would you would give to to individuals that are maybe looking to break into the sector for the first time? Sure. Yeah. You know, I th- number one, I think the sector is is an amazing sector. It's full of phenomenal companies that a lot of of them are are mission driven, trying to, trying to support law enforcement and military personnel either, you know, protect their lives or allow them to do their jobs better. So it's a phenomenal industry. Um, the advice I, I'd probably give is number one, stay mission driven. Make sure that you follow your passion. I think oftentimes folks that gave of themselves and served our country in some capacity are mission driven. And it's really hard to go from a mission mission driven capacity to a scenario where you're really just looking for the bottom line or looking for profits. So I, I would really focus on companies and positions where you feel passionate about what you're doing and the company or the position is a mission-driven scenario. So I, that's number one. I think number two, mentorship. We didn't talk a whole lot about mentorship, but I think mentorship is really important. And as you move into uh, the corporate world, I think it's just really important to find good mentors that have done the things that you're looking to do and that you can you can pick their brains. You can kind of give them scenarios in terms of your career progressions or your next steps or your next roles. And uh, I, I think mentorship is 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 critically important. And then I think it's also important to always keep learning and keep teaching. So just, you know, as you kind of look up for mentorship, you know, and, and you kind of move on in your career, I think it's really important to, number one, keep learning, keep improving. But number two, find some folks that you can also mentor and and bring along the way as well. I love that. It's a great way to close it out, pay it forward. Richard, we cannot thank you enough for for taking time once again out of your out of your schedule to join us on the arena. I know this is going to be an incredibly impactful conversation for our community, for the breakline participants that are coming through the program. And on a personal level, I'm just incredibly grateful for the work that you and your team are doing to to lean into the values of Axon, to bring the product to bear across the federal market. It's incredibly impactful work. We're honored to be partnered with you all and looking forward to getting this conversation out to the community. Thanks so much, Richard. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Breakline Arena. We're hoping that you're walking away feeling a little moved, a little inspired. And if you really had a good time, feel free to head on over, rate, subscribe, leave us a review. It does help us spread the good word, keeps these good vibes rolling. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.